Well, we are entering into that time of year that is extremely busy, and uh, everybody's putting things on their calendar, and so I want to give you a couple of things to put on your calendar so you know what's coming, and, and uh, as the saying goes around here, communication is a wonderful thing when it happens, and so it's going to happen right now. Let me give you some dates to put on your calendar. First of all, with Thanksgiving coming up, uh, that week we will meet on Tuesday, November the 24th instead of Wednesday, and so mark your calendars for that. Also, the week of Christmas, we will also be meeting on Tuesday, uh, December the 22nd, and so both holidays we'll be meeting our midweek service on Tuesday of those weeks. Also, as we have done in years past, this year we're also will be participating in uh, the Christmas baskets, and Rachel Spencer uh, will be coordinating that effort this year. The nomination forms will be out this Wednesday evening. That'll be the form where you can put names of families that you know of that may need some help right now with food, and so you'll put that on there, and also it'll give you kind of a sample grocery list of things that we like to try to fill that basket with, and so that'll all be there. Now, if you choose to give money, uh, instead of going shopping for that, you can talk to Rachel or Keith or those in the office, and we'll help you with that. We're going to distribute those on Wednesday night, December the 16th. And so mark that down on your calendars, Wednesday night, December the 16th. But we need names turned in by December the 6th. So try not to wait to the last minute so we can try to have an idea of how many that we're looking for. In years past, we've done around 100 or more uh, baskets, and so we hope and pray that we can uh, meet those needs as they come available to us. November 29th, that's a fifth Sunday. The good news is you do not have to cook and bring stuff for that Sunday. We are having a catered meal uh, served by Hole in the Wall, and uh, it's going to be $6 a person doing something a little different this time since it's a catered meal. We're needing you to sign up for that, and you can do that starting today uh, at the Welcome Center. So again, catered meal on November 29th, that's a fifth Sunday, and that'll be $6 a person. One last date to mark, Sunday, December 13th at 5 o'clock, we'll be having our annual holiday Christmas party at Aiken Elementary, and so mark your calendars for that. We'll be giving more details out uh, the closer that gets, but wanted you to be aware of that uh, this morning. That'll be Sunday, December the 13th. Now, some of you missed those dates. You can talk to me this morning out in the foyer, and uh, I'll be happy to give you those dates. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to John 17 or on your smart device, wherever you want it. Pull it up, put it in your lap, whatever you need to do, but find John 17 and uh, keep it there in front of you, and we'll reference uh, several verses. Keith, I appreciate you reading to us this morning. That's a lengthy reading. Typically don't read that much uh, in one setting, but we wanted that whole prayer and discourse to be read aloud. And isn't that a beautiful prayer prayed by Jesus himself? So the story goes, Lyndon Johnson's press secretary, Bill Moyers, was saying a prayer at a staff lunch, and all of a sudden, 
the president shouted out in a very loud voice and he says, Speak up, Bill. I cannot hear a thing. Bill looked at the president and he replied and he said, You know, I wasn't addressing you, Mr. President. And I mean, all of a sudden, everybody just kind of looks around and he says, I was addressing the whole audience, not just to you. Now, in my belief, when you look in John 17, this prayer, which happens to be the longest of Jesus' recorded prayers, I believe it was intended to be overheard by the disciples. Now, if you look in John chapter 17, verse 1, it plainly says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. There's no doubt he is praying that prayer to his Father, but I believe he wanted that prayer to be overheard by his disciples. If you go back, here's one of the things that you learn about this prayer. I want you to turn back to John 14 for a minute. This takes place, chapters 14, 15, and 16. This is the upper room discourse in these chapters. And one of the things that takes place in these chapters, you see Jesus is comforting his disciples there in, verse, in chapter 14. He's promising the Holy Spirit to come. Then he's talking about the vine and the branches. And the encouragement there is from Jesus, I am the vine and you are just a branch. Just be a branch and understand the purpose of both. And then he goes on and he continues this thought of how the world is going to be hated by the disciples. And then in chapter 16, he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 16, verse 33, he says these words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is a triumphant prayer. This is a way that we begin to understand as we look into this prayer. We see the heart of Jesus as he's addressing his heart back to the Father. But in that, he's also addressing his heart to those of us as believers. He's praying for himself. He's praying for the disciples. And he's praying for all of those. And what's his prayer? That as his children, that when the world sees us, they may see one. They may see that we are striving to live out and to be about what Jesus is praying in John 17. One of the things about this prayer, he's confident. He's coming in confidence. He's coming into prayer acknowledging that he is an overcomer. And if there's one thing that I want you to understand this morning, not only is Jesus an overcomer, but because he's an overcomer, guess what, church? You and I can live our lives 
as overcomers. We can overcome anything that is thrown our way. We can overcome anything that we may find ourselves struggling with. Now, our biggest struggle from the garden until Jesus comes back to rescue us is what? Sin. We have a sin problem. And because we have a sin problem, what does God do? God sent his only son, John 3, 16, that he loved and sent him to the cross so that he could die so that we could have hope of eternal life. And right in the midst of John 17, what you notice is, <clears throat> as you turn the page of the Bible, or in mine, in chapter 18, what happens to Jesus? He's arrested. And his crucifixion and all of that is fixing to come upon him. But do you see what's on the heart of Jesus before he's crucified? He's not thinking of himself. Who's he thinking of? He's thinking of us. And in that prayer, that confident prayer, he expresses some things that are so beautiful and that are so mind-boggling to us to understand here is Jesus about to go to the cross and what's on his mind? I'm sure a lot of things are, but the one thing that's on his mind and on his heart is us as his followers. He's concerned and he's concerned for his disciples that once he is gone, he wants his disciples to know you can keep going. You have to keep going. And the way that you do that is to understand your purpose and your will. Your will is not to please yourself. Your will is to please your Father. And Jesus lays that example down for us. This prayer is named his priestly prayer because Jesus is praying on behalf of the disciples to his Father in heaven the same way that a priest in the Old Testament would offer intercession on behalf of the nation of Israel. You know, there's just something to be said when somebody comes up to you or sends you a note and says, I have been praying for you or I'm praying for you right now. Man, there's just, a, just an awesome feeling of humility to know somebody is going to God the Father on my behalf. That's a beautiful thought. But do you see what happens here in John 17? Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, and what I'm praying for is you. And I'm praying that God the Father will protect you. I'm praying that when people see you, they may see one, the unity of the believers. And so, look what takes place here. As he reports back in prayer that he's fulfilled the Father's purpose, look at what he does. Eight different times in this prayer, he reports back to the Father and he says this, I have done what you have asked me to do. 
Do you know that's a beautiful thought to God the Father? To know that his son comes to him in prayer and says not just once, not just twice, but eight different times, I have done what you have told me to do. Look at verse 4. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation to kind of give a, a different twist on this. But look in chapters, chapter 17, verse 4. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Verse 5, now Father, bring me into the glory that we shared before the world began. If you go back to chapter 15, he carries on this same thought about glory. And he says, this is to my Father's glory, in chapter 15, verse 8, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so when we go out and we live in this world and we are the disciple, we are a follower of Jesus, and we're bearing fruit, guess what Jesus says? That is to his glory. It's not for us. It's not for somebody else. It's not so that we can pat ourselves on the back. Jesus says, this is to my glory. That as my disciples, that you go out and you bear much fruit. In verses 4 and 5, he prays that we as the church will sense the glory of God. And so he's asking the Father that those in the church can sense, can feel, and experience, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt the glory of God. We find an example of this in the Old Testament. You remember when Solomon went back and dedicated the temple, it says the glory of God came upon him. And what it's saying is that all the people there at that dedication ceremony sensed this manifestation and this presence that came over them and this sweet aroma of God that was covering them. And Jesus, when he prays for us, prayed that we would sense that presence and so think about it this way spiritually speaking when God comes down within the church what he wants us to do as his followers is he wants us to always be looking upwards always be looking in his direction from a spiritual standpoint and so it's almost like he comes down to us in the form of his son but he's wanting us to look up in all of our thoughts, in all of our senses, to feel and to experience the sweetness and the aroma of God. Now I want you to think about it this way. When we come into this place, into this room, in our busy lives that we lead, the busy lives that we live going here and yonder and everywhere, when we are invited into this room every week, it is my prayer, it is the prayer of Jesus that as we come in here, we experience Jesus. 
not a program, not an order of service. We provide that as a matter of convenience because we've been trained in the church. We've got to know what's coming or we just fall apart. Okay? We're not here as a checklist. We're not here to make sure that we're going down the list and everything is done right and in order. We're here to experience Jesus. We're here to meet with Jesus. We come into this place, and if there's anything beautiful about this service, not just today, but every time we as his followers gather, the beautiful thing about this service is Jesus is here. And it's like the song that we sung this morning, Jesus, let us come to know you. And when you look at the heartbeat in this prayer of John 17, the heartbeat of Jesus to his Father, down to us, is that we can know him a little better. That we can fall in love with him a little more than where we were yesterday. If there's anything beautiful about worship, it's Jesus. If there's anything beautiful about his message, it's Jesus himself. If there's anything beautiful about prayer, it's Jesus. If there's anything that we should have in our hearts today, may it be in that same spirit that the Greeks had when they came to Philip and Andrew. And you remember what they said? We just want to see Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? If we leave here today and we can say, I saw Jesus, it's been a great day. Tomorrow, if you live your life and you can be Jesus, and you can be his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece to this world, glory goes to God. You look in John 17, you look at his prayer, you look at his heartbeat, I think of what we experienced last Sunday at Paris Junior High. A beautiful time. I had some this week that were in that service that would stop and saw me at schools or different places and said, man, it was just great to be together. The songs, the message, the heart of the whole worship service was incredible. And you know what? To God be the glory for that. Because what we did last week, we just strive to live out and and be about his prayer in John 17. We just put all thoughts aside and all notions and everything that we might want and all of that, and we said, what can we do if we just come together and worship? And as some told me, we saw people that we hadn't seen in years. Believers saying that about fellow believers. Others said, when are we going to do it again? Why have we waited so long? To my comment, we've never done it. We never did. We've never done what we did last Sunday. 
to one thought, I want to say, shame on us. But to the other thought, I'm saying, praise God that we did it. And here's Brandon and I, when we were walking out, he looked at me and he said, I think we started something this morning. And I said, isn't it great? And who knows what can happen next? Who knows what can happen next? You think Jesus was thinking that in John 17? I wonder what would happen next if my believers, if my followers would just catch on to the heartbeat here. Wonder what would happen next. Wonder what it will lead to. Maybe it will lead to more people in life giving glory and honor to the very one who created us in his image. In church, if you look at it, this is why when we were praying and looking at the vision for this church for the next 10 years, this is why we kept coming back and praying about the unity of all believers that you see over here. Because that must have been so important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us. And it needs to be important not just in the life of a church, it needs to be important to us in our individual lives. Where do we need to strive for unity in our own life? And when you look at it that way, and then it comes together collectively as a body of believers, man, look at what can take place. But it starts with one person catching fire of the heartbeat of what Jesus prayed for and seeing that to fruition. And so, a couple of things that stood out to me in this prayer Number two, Jesus prayed that we would not only sense the presence of God, but we would follow the word of God. And so here's what happened. When the disciples received the word of God, it gave them a meaning for life. And then when they understood that Jesus truly came from the Father in heaven, it gave them some motivation it gave them a meaning, it gave them a motivation, and then when they believed that the Father sent Jesus, it gave them some marching orders. Here's your mission for life. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so what he's praying for in that everything that we do, just go complete the mission of God. Folks, listen. God's mission must always trump our own personal desires and preferences. Amen? Now think about that for a moment. The mission of God must always be essence, must always be before us, before anything else personally. And whatever that means and whatever we have to do to fulfill and to reach the mission of God, you know what Jesus is praying for? You need to do that. You need to go do and you need to go complete the task that I've set before you. And so, third of all, I thought of this. Jesus prayed that we would become united in the love of God. And then he prayed that the church would begin to move toward the mission of the Father. 
verse 2, for you've given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And then down in verse 15, he prays this, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe, protect them from the evil one. And then if you look in verse 13, Jesus prays that we would experience the joy of God. Look at verse 13. I'm coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my, what's the word? Joy. So that above all, they can experience the joy of God. Now I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to block everything out for a moment, and I want you to think about your own life. You know what Jesus prayed for. And I hope that every time you read this prayer, that you see some aspect of it in a new light. And I wonder this morning, maybe some are here this morning that would say this. I need to experience God's glory more. I need to see the light of his glory in a different perspective than maybe I have seen before. Maybe some are thinking, I need to be more united in the fellowship of God. I have not gone forth with the purpose that he wants me to go forth with. And maybe you're here this morning to say, I want to go where Jesus went. And I want to share the good news with as many as possible. Maybe you're here and you're letting circumstances and things and life just kind of get in the way of seeing the glory of God. When you see his glory you understand his mission a lot clearer. When you see and sense and feel and experience his glory, you begin to see what he has in store for us. Or maybe you're here and you're just thinking, I've lost the joy in my life. Restore unto me that joy, Jesus prays. That inward joy that springs forth life back into us. What aspect of this prayer speaks to you today? Remember, eight different times Jesus says to his Father, I've done what you've asked me to do. What is it today that you need to do? And I don't know if that's something in a public way that we can help you with or just in your private life. Because I know every Sunday, I trust and I believe that everybody leaves here 
with some response. I wonder what that is for you today. Knowing that Jesus bowed his head and looked to the Father on behalf of us. Praise God for that. And if there is anything that we can do for you this morning to draw closer to him, we want to help you with that. And we want to do that right now as we stand and together as we sing.